1: is War Wrestling Authority Radio, with your host, Chaotic Katie, the voice, Paul Eubanks, the dean of wrestling referees, C. Kane, and sadistic, Sean David, lock and load wrestling fans, it's time for
0: War.
1: Oh, I'd
2: like to welcome you into the ER tonight. We have a very special edition of Wrestling Authority Radio for you. And he's already with us. We are going to be going live just momentarily with the author of Death of the Territories, Tim Hornbaker. And we want to remind you now, before it's too late, that uh, tomorrow night on Wrestling Authority Radio number two this week, we will be joined by the world's most dangerous announcer, Gary Michael Capetta. So strap in, strap yourselves in, and get ready, because we're going to go back in our time machine here tonight with the author of Death of the Territories. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tim Hornbaker. Hello. Yes, thank you for having me. It's great to be with you.
3: Thanks great for to have up, you, Bill. sir. Yeah, it's a real pleasure to talk to you guys. Thank
2: you. I um, I have briefly skimmed through some of the book. I have not had the time to fully read it, but from what I've seen and what I've heard, I am very impressed. So um, we're not going to give the full book away tonight uh, on air. Uh, obviously, we want people to buy your book, but we are going to be taking bits and pieces out of your book that Steve has hand-selected. And we're going to be going over that here tonight. So, Steve, Some you break. read the book. You read the book. You tell us where you want to start first. That's well,
1: I'll tell book. you what. Um, <laughs> what's that, Katie?
4: You're the book club, can I, Hubby? Oh, the, the <laughs> book club, it. yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'm. Let's go ahead because uh, Tim and I were actually talking a little bit uh, – before we before we went live here and that, um, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna go with my gonna go with my uh, core subject here, which was a um, uh, little bit of a surprise when I when I first started reading the book. Um, <clears throat> having been in the business for as many years as I had been, there are certain stories about how promotions came to be that were that are passed down. From one end to to another, and uh, of course, being here in the Midwest uh, during those days, our our promotion was the AWA, which was founded, owned, and operated by Vern Gagne.
2: That is correct. And
1: the and the and the story that had always circulated was that Vern had left the NWA. And it was a very um, well. So according according to according to the stories that we always were told, that it was not an amicable break. That Vern left over not being given shots at the NWA Junior Heavyweight Title. Until I read this book, and I find out that everything that I had been told and had known for almost 30 years was not true so tim why don't we go ahead and let's start there with the oh with burn Gagne leaving the nwa and forming the awa and the ties that actually were involved within within the uh, awa and the nwa
3: absolutely i think it's uh one of the major misconceptions about wrestling history was that Bern Gagne broke off with the NWA and formed the AWA as a uh, opposition kind of a group. Uh, the real story behind it was it couldn't have been more opposite than that. Uh, they were actually friends throughout. Uh, Sam Muchnick Bern There was never any negativity between them. Bern Gagne would attend the annual conventions. Uh, so going back to, to 1960, uh, there was uh, this was just several years after the. Um, the Department of Justice had advanced, uh, investigated the National Wrestling Alliance for antitrust uh, violations. So um, there was this uh, this belief that the NWA was a monopoly and that uh, it controlled too much of the wrestling business. So flash forward a couple of years, here in 1960, uh, there was an agreement made that allowed Vern Gagne to branch off and form the AWA. Uh, the, the leaders of the NWA were behind it because it gave the appearance that there was competition in the marketplace. There was the NWA now, there was the AWA, and three years after, years after that, there would be the WWWF. So you had competition in the marketplace. The NWA no longer looked like a monopoly, and everybody went about their business on friendly terms. So it was, there was a lot of misconceptions about it through the years, and uh, you know, working on this book, it was one of my challenges to kind of weed through all that and, and separate fact from wrestling lore.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's yeah. uh, that's the importance of it. There is so many wrestling lore out there because everybody, as Conrad Thompson would say, everybody wants to hear the rumors and in innuendo. Well, the rumors and <laughs> yeah. in innuendo don't always add up to what's factual.
3: Absolutely, I agree. And and that's like I said, with a with a book on professional wrestling, that's one of the biggest you know hurdles to overcome is to find out what is really the truth and it's hard to find because you have so many stories and stories that have been passed down through generations and you know for me I, you know i just wanted to get to the truth and it was it's a, it's often difficult but when when you find the truth it's really a, an amazing story
1: yeah I mean, yes. it's, it's 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 yeah, it's it's very difficult to find the truth in a you know in a in a business that is run basically by carnies. Uh, we're yep. we're all, we're, we're all a bunch of, we're all a bunch of con men and we're, and we're you know, out there playing, playing the, playing the marks for everything we can uh, get, get out of them. And that, so us telling, us telling somebody the truth, especially uh, somebody, you know, not in the business. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like uh, getting a needle in a haystack. Pretty much, and uh, yeah,
3: and I and that's one of the things that I was trying to do with this book and, and my previous books is to find actual documentation and get past the stories <laughs> and, and really find find you know stuff that really got to the bottom of of what happened. So it's it's always a fun ride, and like I said, it's it's a great it's great to get to the absolute truth of of wrestling history.
2: Now, oh. let's, go, let's go a little bit further into this. The uh, AWA was formed, but nobody really would realize how successful the AWA would become. And their success would come in their early years, but they would also have success in the later years with trying to present those uh, pay-per-views between them and WCCW and everything else. So let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, let's fast forward in time through the AWA when the AWA was given a television deal. Uh, yeah, Vern Gagne really struck a,
3: a home run when he landed ESPN uh, in the 80s and kind of put him almost on a level playing field with, uh, you know, you had um, WTBS and you had the WWF with the USA Network and you had. Uh, these Mm -hmm. major cable networks now presenting uh, professional wrestling and here comes Gagne who a lot of people believed wouldn't have gotten that that shot in that position on cable and he landed ESPN and that really pushed (sighs) them into a new kind of demographic and opened up a lot of doors that they didn't have previously. So the wrestling war definitely heated up when when Gagne landed ESPN.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. um... Because... You talked yeah, about yeah because actually that my of- my trainer guys was Sonny Rogers and Sonny was you know a job guy for Vern from back in the uh, Minneapolis days all the way through to uh, Vegas.
3: So yeah, that's great. Yeah, and uh, you know Dany had some great business and some great years there in the eighties. he was <clears throat> at the tail end, you know of. of You know, 20, 25 years of successful business with the AWA, and Ronnie was still flourishing. You know, it wasn't until a few years later that he really started to struggle in the midst of the wrestling war. But uh, the AWA did a lot of really great
2: business. Now, let me ask you this. What do you believe um, or what can you tell us about the downfall of the AWA?
3: Well, I think there was a lot of factors. If we can go through them, I'd be happy to. uh, I think some of the major factors right off the bat was uh, McMahon taking Hogan from from Ganyan in in late 1983. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hogan was a major star for the AWA, and a lot of people had expected him to to win the world championship. Of course, that never happened. uh, But as soon as McMahon took Hogan away from the AWA, it kind of changed the playing field. It demoralized the AWA, and really gave uh, the WWF this big, major superstar, and it boosted him, uh, boosted the promotion, let me say. And uh, that just kind of started things. And McMahon was relentless in in his battle with the AWA. He took additional stars from, uh, from Gagne. He took office workers. He took TV production people. And then finally, once he amassed this collection of former AWA stars in his promotion, he had the gall to return to the Twin Cities and run uh, opposition to Gagne, opposition shows. So it was like he was now promoting the AWA, but, it, but he was just promoting former AWA stars under the WWF umbrella. So that, that was kind of the major, uh, you know, really took the heart out of Gagne and his promotion, and I think it was just all down, downhill from there.
2: Now, did you mm-hmm. ever see, did we... Steve, did you ever believe, or Tim, did you ever believe that Kurt Henning would go on to be the star that he would become all those years later as Mr.
1: Perfect? Uh,
2: I think that he had a great
3: uh, innate talent. Um, I mean, I guess you, you, if you see a young worker like that and you see that, that budding talent. Uh, you don't quite know if he's going to reach his full potential, but I think that, I think that he definitely did, and he he could have been a greater star had he given been given more of a push. But he was definitely a great star, and you know from that early time in the AEW, he had just a special kind of uh, a talent that I think you know definitely Gagne saw, and that's one of the reasons why he fought to keep him in the promotion. You know when Bert, when with uh, McMahon wanted him. So yeah, yeah. I mean, now
2: he was definitely uh, a great this star. Is, this is going to be my late. My last question for a little bit. I'm going to let Katie jump in here. Talk to us about the success of the Road Warriors and the AWA.
3: Well, they were the greatest tag team of the era. I mean, there's no disputing that. Uh, There was a lot of really great tag teams. I think Vern Vern was very lucky to grab them up when he did, bring them up from Georgia, and kind of give them the right kind of push. The, uh, The Road Warriors were also going to Japan, so there was this uh, massive, um, I think, this general respect that that the World Warriors were were building, and fans were were giving them. They were they were bruisers in the ring. I mean, they they loved the brawl. They weren't uh, you know stylish performers, but they were just amazing and awesome to see. And I think they captivated fans throughout the AWA and the world. So I think Gagne was really lucky to kind of seize them when he did, and gave them that great push to to let them really have the success that they did.
2: Now yeah. you also have another book that I wanna hit on real quickly, and that was The War That Changed the Pro Wrestling The War That Changed Pro Wrestling Forever. Would that be the Monday night wars?
3: Um I you're talking about the uh War That Changed that was actually Death of the Territories. That's
2: just the subtitle of that book. Okay. Okay. Um
3: yeah.
2: would you say that um would you say that WCW getting to that platform was the right move for the wrestling business at a time where the wrestling business had fallen on its butt? Uh, WCW, you mean? you you talking about yes. WCW? Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, I think it was I, – I think the wrestling business was going, uh, you know, the late 80s, uh, you know, and, and we're turning the corner into the 90s. I think the wrestling business needed – they needed some sort of competition because the territories were now – uh, depleted, and uh, you know there was there was uh, the the old school systems of wrestling were gone by that point. And right to to uh, you know to have the remnants of what Crockett had built and now become WCW, I think you needed to have another strong promotion in competition to the WWF. Where were fans gonna go if they didn't support the WWF? If they didn't like the WWF, exactly. they weren't if they gonna didn't, watch it all. They didn't, yeah, exactly. So you you literally have, had to choose at that point. And me personally, I loved NWA wrestling. I loved territorial wrestling. Uh, and I wasn't someone who was going to immediately jump on the WWF, you know, the bandwagon, just because you right. know, they were the flavor of the, the month or the week or however you want to look at it. So right. I kind of wanted to hold on to the old school style of wrestling. And that was, you know, it, it had changed. It was the NWA and then it was WCW. So in, in my book... That was what I was going to follow, and they had some rough years there, but it still was something that was, you know, it was a little different than what the WWF was doing, and I I enjoyed watching it.
2: Mm -hmm. And then all those, and it wouldn't be, let's say that uh, really WCW really got uh, going full stream when they got that major pay-per-view deal. Um, Because when they got that major pay-per-view deal, That's when they became more serious because at that point they were only able to do so much. They would go to the Omni and the Omni was great historic building. But when WCW got that big pay-per-view deal, they were able to go, okay, we can now travel out. And this is, this is before, this is right around the time that Bischoff shut down all the house shows because the house shows weren't drawing. Um, which was sad, but that's the way business was in those days. If you go back and look at some of the WWE house show tapes, you'd be shocked to see how many people were actually in attendance.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, and
2: I, and I, and I think that WCW really,
3: you know, they turned a corner, like you said, when they got the uh, pay-per-view deal and, you know, they had to make certain moves. Uh, they landed a couple big names, you know, in those early years. And they had, you know, a young, Steve Austin and, and they got Ricky Steamboat back and right. uh, Rick Rude and they got some names that really invader was was coming in around what ninety two ninety three, so right kind of right. turned that the corner huge. in the yeah and so yeah the early nineties they kind of turn a corner even though business again wasn't that great they still had enough of a foundation to build upon and like I said fans had somewhere to go that was an alternative
2: to McMahon, well and it would be. I'm going to let Katie take this question, but it would be a couple of years later, another alternative would be born.
4: Yes, another alternative that uh, some still call. pretty damn good wrestling. Let's talk about ECWs. Sir. How did that happen? I would be happy to. Huh? Go ahead.
3: Uh, you, yeah. 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 About,
4: so you mentioned
3: ECW. Is that what we're, we're talking about here? Yes. Sure. Yeah, well, ECW revolutionized wrestling again. I mean, if you want to look back through history, I mean, there's been certain times in history where, you know, a, a promoter, a visionary kind of comes out of left field and, and changes the playing field. Well, that was the moment in the 90s where, you know, wrestling did change and wrestling was evolving again. And WCW and the WWE McMahon, they both looked to what ECW was building upon and how, you know, things were going there. And, Said, you know, hey, that's that's we need to start learning from that. We need to start taking bits and pieces from that, and eventually they started taking wrestlers from ECW as well, uh, right? Malenko and, and uh, right,
2: Eddie Benoit, Guerrero.
3: yeah, Benoit. So, you know, you, you look at Jericho that it's kind of a pivotal moment, yeah, Jericho, Benoit. and uh, these great stars start funneling out into the other promotions, and uh, you know, it was just again, like I said, it was a revolutionary time for, for professional wrestling.
2: Now let me ask you this: You were probably uh, either watching at home, or probably later tape traded the tape. What were your thoughts when uh, Shane Douglas threw down the NWA World Heavyweight Title?
3: Yeah, uh, I mean I was shocked. I mean it was definitely a, a shocker for for me personally. I thought that the, the NWA had uh, found a way to kind of gain back some some uh, you know some cr- some credentials, and 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 they were going to get back on top again. And to see what Shane had done, uh, you know, throwing the belt down and kind of denouncing the NWA was, was, a, was a crazy moment. I mean, it was one of those moments in history where you, you just kind of have to step back and, and be amazed. But um, I guess I'm not surprised, too, though. I mean, ECW was going in a new direction, and they didn't feel that they needed to carry the old legacy of the NWA. So it was a, a fascinating move just when you look at what actually happened there.
2: Well, and I'll tell you what, that is a night in history that if, no, if you're listening to our voices and you have never seen that, Google Shane Douglas NWA world title. You, you won't Definitely. regret it. It is one of the most historic moments in professional wrestling uh, that is out there. Um, you know, there yeah. were a lot of guys that were good that came out of the AWA. I had the privilege of meeting one, and his name was Mad Dog Vachon. Yeah,
3: we, that's another legend. I love I mean, awesome. he, he, Yeah, he he's one of the best of all time. Uh, definitely a Hall of Famer in every sense of the of the word. Um uh, cr- just a, a crazy uh, just a great. He was, first of all, he was a legitimate wrestler. I mean, I don't, I don't think a lot of people knew that. He was an amateur wrestler back in uh, Montreal and the guy really knew how to wrestle like, legitimately and he once he started developing his, you know, persona in the ring and became this This, you know, the mad dog, you know, he was just a a fascinating wrestler and someone who really carried the AWA, uh, you know, with along with Gagne, you know, just carried the AWA for so long. And, and, you know, a lot of people have fond memories of of what he was able to do and just a great, great performer.
2: Now, um, I'm going to let Steve talk about this with you because I wasn't alive. I was born in 90 after all the territories faded away. Talk to us about the importance of the territories back in the day.
3: I would be happy to. That's great. That's a great question. The territories to professional wrestling was everything. I mean, uh, you go back decades and really look at uh, how the how North America was divided up into specific regions. You know, you had part, you know, North and South uh, California. You had Florida. You had Georgia. You had the Central States. You had the Minnesota Territory. Even before the AWA, and in each of these different territories, there was its own. They had their own TV setup. They had their own champions, they had their own local wrestlers, and their own wrestling office uh, that booked these wrestlers throughout a different, this whole different, uh, this specific territory. So uh, for, for wrestling fans, no matter if you were in Florida or New York or California, you really saw a, a localized brand of professional wrestling that, you know, you could look at independent wrestling today and kind of say that's similar, but in the territorial days, it really was special because it was like this old-school feel to it, and for these fans, it was all they knew. There wasn't cable television. There wasn't uh, massive pay-per-views way before WrestleMania. So the territories were, were professional wrestling at its heart.
2: And, right. Um,
3: yeah. I mean, so it was, it, was, it was just a great time to be a fan back in those days.
2: Now, you probably have other stories about things that happened with it, but I want to talk about one of the greatest men to ever come up through the territories, And that man we unfortunately lost to a tragic event. But I want to talk about Bruiser Brody. Okay, yeah. Bruiser Brody
3: Uh, is, again, yeah, go ahead.
2: Is there anything, any information that you found for your book about anything that happened to Bruiser Brody or anything like that?
0: Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah, he was definitely one of the uh, – I want to say one of the most independent and um, strong-willed wrestlers uh, uh, anywhere. I mean, he was kind of one of those guys where, you know, promoters would take advantage of of a wrestler or he he would, you know, shortchange them with payoffs. Well, Bruiser Brody was the kind of man who wouldn't take that sitting down. I mean, he, he would walk out on a promotion the moment he felt that he was being, you know, if the promises weren't being lived up to. And there Mm -hmm. were examples during his time in in the AWA where he actually walked out on Gagne because of issues of this kind and left Gagne, you know, holding the bag. Uh, But Gagne also had problems with with payoffs or with, you know, Gagne was a great, was a legend. Uh, There's no mistake about it. But there were different times in the AWA's history where, you know, maybe he needed to see, you know, lock down his wrestlers with guaranteed contracts or he had to do, you know, make, uh, you know, better payments or, you know, even give guys a raise that deserved it. And maybe that would have helped build more loyalty. You know, why did Hulk Hogan leave? Why did Bruiser Broder lead, Brody leave? Gagne needed to make those decisions. And in the specific case of Bruiser Brody, you know, he could have helped Gagne survive. You know, he could have helped. He was a, a guy, the kind of guy you could have built upon. And um, when he left, it left a big hole in the AWA. So, Brody was a, a a real legend, you know. You can't deny that.
1: Yeah, um, and another and another organization that uh, was flourishing during that time, of course, was uh, Jack Atkisson, Fritz von Erich's uh, world class championship wrestling. Um, and he and now he, it was kind of, it was kind of a unusual situation because, of course, for a while he was part of the NWA group and then he broke away from it, uh, declared his own world championships and that. Um and of course he also kinda had uh this uh um on again off again thing with uh Bill Watts going on and that. So why don't we uh take a couple of minutes and talk about that.
3: Yeah definitely uh Atkinson was a um he ran one of the most successful promotions anywhere in in the Dallas region. And, um, you know, between, you know, 83, 85, 83 to 85, 86, in that time period, he had some of the, some of the greatest wrestling anywhere. And I think, um, you know, the injury, the death of David Von Erich, of course, and then, uh, you know, Mike got sick and then he later passed away. Uh, Kerry hurt himself in a motorcycle accident I mean, all of this kind of bad luck really really hit hard for Atkinson in world class. Uh, but he still, you know, like you mentioned, he was a part of the NWA, broke away, declared his own championships, and really had a lot of success throughout all of this time period, even despite this, this kind of downfall that they were having at the same time. He had a great syndication network going for him. Was, uh, he mm-hmm. ventured to the Middle East and held uh, wrestling matches, so uh, World Class was always kind of a special promotion down there, and they had a lot of success. Um, but I think all of this kind of negativity and uh, the problems that they were having really uh, really ran them out of business. Uh, and, and if you read my book, you know, I have a quote in there by Atkinson where he, when he finally sells out. I mean, he was just tired. You know, he, he had seen it all, and he had, he had engaged in wrestling wars and it protected his business and saw you know what happened to his sons and i think by the end he was just burned out and you know world class you know ran it ran its um, you know ran its uh, path there and it was it was it it ended and that was it
1: yeah all right
2: yeah. well uh we're about 2 minutes away folks
1: get ready yeah that's all we're going to say get ready oh. um <laughs> uh, now one of the things and you and you talk about and you talked about this in the book, and of course, this was probably even one of the bigger game changers in all of this was when Vince started paying TV stations to air his program, which was the exact opposite of what had been done by every other promotion in all the years past. go ahead and kind of you know, give a little insight as to oh where that probably was maybe the you know even a bigger turnabout for the industry in general as opposed to Vince you know even starting to take the take everything nationwide. Well I
3: think once he started offering to pay you know thousands of dollars every week to to acquire these T V stations to run his shows I think yeah, I think what you're trying to to get at here is I think TV stations started to think that hey, you know, wrestling you know, you could make a lot of money off of professional wrestling and they're going to want to charge everyone now and that that kind of you're you're right. It kind of changed the business all the way across the board and Jim Crockett and Bill Watts when they were building their syndication network, what did they have to do? They had to pay the stations. And if you look back through history, it was the reversal, you know, uh you know, the, the stations would uh, would pay the promoters and there would be a deal for the advertising. But uh, in this situation, Vince was now, you know, forking over thousands of dollars to acquire these stations and on great stations. You know, if you look back to uh, Los Angeles, it was a great deal for them. Uh, it got them into right. the, the territory. But uh, it was definitely a game changer across the board, no doubt about it.
2: All right. Yeah. Well, this is what we're going to do, folks. It is that time. We are going to mute everyone. You must be caller number 10, and you will win a free copy of Death of the Territories from Mr. Tim Hornbaker.
1: And ECW Press.
2: Yes, thank you to
1: ECW Press.
2: So, folks, we're going to play this song. You must be caller 10. Are
1: you ready? 213 943 3719. (laughs) All now.
0: Focus and sticking away, now you're breaking away They may think they know you, but it's an education No, they can't control you, will you? Broken away, there's some control in your mind When they're searching for you, they will find A bus, they are in red So you think you're ready now For the revolution Yeah, they can't control you Once you've broken away you got to get them out of your mind When they stand before you They will find they are in red
5: Action that attracts a crowd and provides excitement at a fair or festival. The right promotion will have professionally trained talent with professional grade ring gear and equipment. Fairgoers will want to see more of them and attend ticketed events in the area. Bringing the wrong promotion, not betting their credentials, you could end up with an embarrassing disaster. The talent may have no ring gear, little or no professional training aren't family friendly and perform so poorly you'll wish they'd return to the backyard they came from burned organizers won't chance bringing in pro wrestling ever again shutting out legitimate promoters and the fairgoers, if they want to see wrestling will only go to WWE events if you want live professional wrestling at your fair or festival don't get burned Check for credentials before you book. A public service announcement from the nosebleed seats. You can contact us on Facebook for more information. Central Illinois Pro Wrestling.
2: All right, and we are going to go to caller 10 right now. We are live. We are live. We are live. Steve, why don't you go ahead and bring caller 10 on the air? All right. and,
1: and who And who do we have here? My name is Joe. Hi. Joe. Joe. Hey. Yep. Well, con- congratulations. You are you are caller ten and you are going to get a copy of Death of the Territories. And uh right awesome. now we have uh with us on the line um the author of Death of the Territories, Tim Hornbaker. So uh Say, so, uh, Tim, say hello to uh, the person who just uh, won a copy of your book. Hey,
3: Joe, I want to congratulate you, and uh, I really hope you enjoy the book. I, I really wanted to write a book that fans can learn from and enjoy, and uh, I really hope you enjoy it. Awesome. Thank you.
1: All right. My pleasure. Okay. All right. Thanks, Joe. Um Hold on, and uh, Katie will uh, get your uh, information from you, and uh, we'll uh, pass it on to uh, ECW Press, and uh, you will be getting your copy of the book shortly. Congratulations.
4: All right. All right thank you. I'll
1: be good girl and go get his information. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, there we go. Congratulations to Joe. Um <laughs> our uh, lucky our lucky winner and um so katie will get his information and uh he will be getting a copy of the book so tim for uh the people who were not uh lucky enough to get uh, to win tonight uh why don't you go ahead and uh tell everybody how they can uh get their own copy of uh death of the territories as well as uh, your other books which you have some Great books, Uh, not just wrestling, folks. Um, If you're a baseball fan, Tim has a couple of excellent books on baseball as well. So go ahead, Tim.
3: Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate those nice words. Uh, People can read about uh, me and my books. on. uh, We can go to my website. It's www.legacyofwrestling.com. You can can, uh, go over to Amazon and and read about them there, and you can make a purchase on uh, Amazon or any of your favorite uh, booksellers. Uh, I'm pretty much, uh, my books are pretty much available anywhere. So, uh, you can, you can ask me a question, send me an email. Um, you can contact me at, uh, at AOL.com. And, uh, I look forward to hearing from, from anybody and everybody. Thank
2: you. Um, JB just got with us. She was not, uh, lucky enough to win the copy of the book. We only had one to give away. Sorry, JB. Uh, oh, but, let's
4: have to, let's
0: have um,
2: man. if, um, if, this is a man that has wrote in a book called Death of the Territories, and he has, how many years, uh, we didn't ask this, how many years did you do research before writing Death of the Territories? Well, I,
3: probably, you know, more than 10. I mean, if you, I, I've been kind of collecting information all these years and kind of building up, and when I finally decided to write this particular book, I, I probably utilized information that I had been gathering for 10 to 15 years, so it's, it's
2: definitely been a long time coming. Wow. So this uh J B if you want to ask him anything about the territory days, because uh, you grew up during that. Um you can go ahead and ask away and he'll try to answer it the best he can.
4: Okay. Um how long you been in uh been in this uh I guess restaurant? Uh how long you been doing this and doing this and yeah. what's your what's your uh
3: Information about your book, what it's about, a uh,
4: little bit more information about your book, and what's
3: yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I've been a, a sports fan all my whole life, and really got into professional wrestling probably in the uh, the, the mid 1980s during the the height of the the wrestling wars uh, during that time. And uh, it wasn't until probably uh, many years later that I became really fascinated to the point where I would start researching and writing about these subjects. But I've written. Uh, five books about professional wrestling and three on baseball. And I just love sports and I love sharing history with, with readers and and fans and kind of strive to to tell the whole story. You know, you, you get a certain story from the WWE and Vince McMahon. Well, I like to go beyond that and tell fans and readers the real story. That's always been my goal. And even with baseball, I, I try to do that same sort of thing.
0: Okay. Okay.
3: Okay.
4: Yes, just yes, keep on doing what you're doing and you know, Thank you. Good I appreciate jobs, it.
3: So, you know, much respect,
4: much Thank love. You. You're,
3: welcome. Yeah, same. you're welcome. I I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. You're
2: welcome. Uh Um. you know, we talked about ECW, we talked about WCW. We talked about um U well, we didn't talk about them yet. I want to talk to you about uh one place that would still hold on as a territory even through the 90s, and that was the USWA. What can you tell us uh, that you discovered for your book about the USWA?
3: Well, the, USA, the USWA, I mean, they were definitely a survivor. I mean, I think I think one thing that I found out that was most intriguing about the whole Memphis territory and just, you know, that whole area was that it had a different kind of feel to it than other territories. It had – A stronger more more loyal fan base than maybe you would find in some of the other regions and they were unwilling to relent to mcmahon and the wwf during those years and they didn't want to see their territory go away so these fans were diehards they were completely committed and uh, they weren't bowled over by the cartoonish antics of hogan and the wwe wwf at the time so there was a lot of great heart there and a lot of great
1: wrestling yeah and and another and another one who uh survived all of uh vincent's talent taking and that was uh don owen out of portland and um that and that was another organization which also launched a number of uh big careers too i mean uh if you if you look at uh the portland group that was uh the launching pad for uh roddy piper um a uh, good old uh, friend of mine, Colonel De Beers, Playboy Buddy Rose. A lot of...
0: Okay. Let's okay. try here. Uh-oh.
1: Oh. Greener. Greener. Let's try Sean. Okay. That might have been it. So, but... Um, but uh, Tim, let's talk about uh, Portland and Don Owen a little bit because, again, he was one of the few people that uh, survived McMahon's um, talent raids and that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Don Owen's one of those
3: guys you really never hear a bad word about. Uh, He paid his guys fairly. He uh, treated his his wrestlers with respect, and like you said, the the Pacific Northwest territory launched a lot of careers. Uh, a lot of people just respected uh, the Pacific Northwest. And incidentally, and you'll read this in the book, McMahon wanted to make a deal to buy the Pacific Northwest at one point. Mm-hmm. He, he uh, had his eyes on, on kind of building up a whole West coast, uh, you know, uh, territory over there. This was before the national uh, expansion was successful, but uh, yeah, Don Owen was one of the, one of the true legends of professional wrestling and had a great business. And unfortunately you know, and, and it, he he lasted until 92, but uh, he he couldn't hold on in, in competition to you know WWF and, and WCW in those days.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it got, yeah it did get to a point where where the big two did uh, eventually you know kind of kind of you know take over the entire country and that and. You know, it it was it was hard it was hard for that. Um, so let's kind of now let's talk about the fact that um, even you know, with that, um, now there's really kind of even been an, a uh, resurgence of the independent scene. And of course, uh, just a few weeks back here in the suburbs, uh, we had that uh, fantastic all-in card that uh, showed that you didn't have to be Vince McMahon to sell out a building or put out a, you know, quality uh, pay-per-view event.
3: Yeah, and that's a beautiful thing for professional wrestling. I mean, not, again, we talked about it. Not everybody wants to see what the WWE is doing. They want an alternative. And I think this crew and some of these independent wrestlers and just the potential that you have there – you know, this is the future of wrestling, and you just hope that they continue forward and, and, and keep setting these goals and achieving them and fans can get behind them. And, you know, you, I hope, you know, in a year or two, Cody Rhodes and some of these guys are not back in the WWE but continuing to pave their own road and, and finding success independently, you know, and, and away from McMahon. So that's that's what I hope, and I think they can achieve it, and it's a great thing for wrestling.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely love it because uh, I mean there, was, there were people that uh, we've had as guests on uh, on the on our shows previously that were involved in that, and probably uh, one of the uh, biggest was uh, the uh, case of uh, Jordan Grace, who was seen in the uh, over the budget battle royal and seen picking up and eventually disposing of uh, the monster known as. Uh, brian cage so you know, yeah yeah that's great we get we get a little connection on that so all right well um tim i know that uh your time unfortunately is uh limited tonight so uh we definitely want to thank you for uh coming on tonight um once again folks uh definitely uh this we've we've had of course a lot of guys that uh have written wrestling books over the years that we have had on our shows and that this book is absolutely fantastic. I fell in love with it from uh, the first chapter and I made sure that I took and set aside time every day to read from it uh, just because, you know, not only in preparation for doing this show, but because of the fact that it is such a fantastic book. So well, thank um, you.
3: Yeah, I really it, appreciate it. Thank you very much.
1: Oh my pleasure. Our pleasure. Thank Tim. you very much. But Tim. It is available on Am- and on Amazon yeah, and uh um hopefully uh soon in uh booksellers everywhere. So make sure you make sure you go out and get it. Death of the Territories. Uh Tim Hornbaker, thank you so much. And, uh, definitely, uh, we'll be in touch to get you back on here to talk some more. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you all very right. much. I
3: really appreciate your nice words and it's been a real pleasure.
1: Thank you very much, hey. Tim. You have a great evening. It's
2: been a great yeah. well, For Thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. All, right. all right. Well, we're going to go ahead and take our second song break now so we can come back and recap Helen in a cell and, uh, Raw and SmackDown and all of that and all the weekend events and so much more when Hour 2 becomes Tuesday Night Turmoil. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere.
0: This is Octane's Test Drive. Yell at us on social media at Octane.
5: XM Octane, the test drive.
2: And that was from Sirius Octane's test drive that was Monster by Hands Like Houses. You are now back in the ER, and now it is time for TNT. TNT. intro that i thought it was i don't know what happened to that that just disappeared from the soundboard
1: um, um are you kidding let me let me lock let me lock
2: did i put it in wrong i bet you did yes i did oh well uh anyway we're gonna change things over Uh, This is now Tuesday Night Turmoil, your source for all the wrestling news and innuendo, and we break down all them championship wrestlings. So, I want to talk real quick before we even get started. Tomorrow night, uh, 9 o'clock Eastern, no, yes, 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central Standard Time, right back here on the Evolution Radio Network, We will be joined on Wrestling Authority Radio by the world's most dangerous announcer, Gary Michael Capetta, as he makes his second appearance on Wrestling Authority Radio. It's his rematch on Wrestling Authority Radio, and it's going to be a great night tomorrow night with Gary Michael Capetta, and we will also be joined by Frankie Rodriguez, from berwin championship wrestling matter of fact i'm going to send them a message as soon as we get off the air reminding them and right. uh, they will be with us tomorrow night talking about their upcoming event with gary michael capetta this coming weekend in Berwyn, illinois at the historic berwin
1: eagles club All right and we may have an additional special guest um but uh we're gonna keep we're gonna keep that one uh under the table a uh, surprise so uh just, and have man, to, next, you just have to be listening
2: next Wednesday she is the woman of ass destruction weapon, weapon. well woman oh. we- weapon woman same difference she is the she is the womanary weapon of ass destruction <laughs> dementia d rose
4: it
2: yeah, and that'll be part of Ladies Night next week. I'm excited. I've talked to her a lot. I've seen her. She has the steel chair challenge, where pretty much people slap her ass as hard as they can with a steel chair, and her ass puts a dent in the chair. That's quite
4: an ass.
2: That is that's quite a- an ass. That's
4: fantastic. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we'll be talking to her next week. You want to be here for that. And two weeks from tonight, oh, yes, two weeks from tonight, anniversary part one comes your way, October 2nd, 2018. It is our five-year anniversary uh, from PWR till now. So um, you want to be here for that.
1: Holy crap.
2: Well, a lot has happened in those five years. Five years. Oh, I know. Oh my gosh! In those, <laughs>
4: yeah,
2: in those five, five years, years
4: and nobody's dead.
2: <laughs> in those five years, Steve and Katie can tell you it took me four out of the five years to revive the RWF, and nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw uh, it was it was dead talked dead. about, but it didn't. It wasn't going to happen. People said you're crazy. Just let it die, just let it be done I said no, fuck that We're coming back And I've announced it already And I'll announce it again right now Uh, June 2019, we will be back again So uh, be on the lookout for that Uh, I want to get into the first news and innuendo That I want to get into tonight And this is going to bring me to my uh, first little subject here tonight Because I saved this out of respect for Tim Hornbaker Um, No, there's a lot going on in the wrestling world And the wrestling world is constantly changing and evolving Well, one company got a dose over the weekend of changing and evolving
1: You know what? You just made the list Oh no Uh, Here we go
2: guess uh, I guess they'll blame some kind of excuse on this and I'm going to get a lot of heat for this and I really don't give a damn because I'm the man that predicted that this was going to happen Um, AAW oh shit AAW last weekend had their lowest draw out of the existence of Dreamwave Wrestling and AAW Wrestling combined at this, so this, is LaSalle,
1: LaSalle. this is LaSalle, Illinois. Yeah, we gotta. We need to clarify. This is for uh, their deep uh, um, Pick over a LaSalle, minute. LaSalle, Illinois, um, and uh, we and um, we were sent pictures by one of our uh, regular listeners as the event was happening, and um, it was it was. Shocking to see a building that had for many years always been solidly full and that and having literally hundreds of empty chairs in it. And then to um, (coughs) add insult to injury, then the power went out. Oh Yo know, but wow. so so the fans so the fans that were in attendance they all took out their phones turned on their flashlights and used that to light up the ring and they kept going wow. And the power was out for like an entire hour so that you know that But uh, still it still it's <laughs> the fact that the the draw was so low in a building, in an area that was once, you know, packed all the time. Um, used to see the likes of CM Punk, the Road Warriors. And, of course, this was early CM Punk, not uh, right. what eventually became WWE CM Punk. But you know, a lot of a lot of uh, up and coming and big name stars um, had had passed through um, Dreamwave Wrestling on their on their way to the top. Yep. And that. Um, so. Here's
2: the other thing. <clears throat> and if I could breathe, it would be great. The other thing, I'm going to take a hit of my puffer, Steve. Tell them the other thing that was just made public over the week
1: uh yesterday matter of fact oh about the same about AAW? yes yes um as a matter of fact they are actually leaving LaSalle so <laughs> they so the so the lack of the lack of attendance definitely is obviously uh, ta- is, uh obviously taking a toll on them and so now they're uh now they're go now they're uh yeah you know, they're they're sitting there and um realizing that oh uh, hey their their brand of bringing in all these guys that uh nobody had ever heard of and Dumping the people that were well known in LaSalle and the bringing in, although uh, this is another thing that uh, Sean and I have criticized over the years, the constant bringing in of big name former stars to uh, go ahead and, you know, even if it was just for autograph sessions like uh, Kevin Nash. And that um, just, you know, know, it's taken its toll. Well, and it's not only
2: that. We have to clarify that.
1: There are new owners of the
2: Knights of Columbus in LaSalle, and the new owners of Knights of Columbus of LaSalle are very sour on wrestling, meaning they don't want it in their building. And as of December... Uh, Let me get the date here. I believe it'll be the first weekend. December, shit. December 1st will be the last AAW show at the Knights of Columbus. Now, at this time, it is unknown if they will get another venue in the area. But I can say this. I have been told from several sources that one of the owners of AAW wants out of LaSalle and has said that the worst. The risk is not worth the reward in LaSalle because they're spending a thousand times more effort to make the shows happen down here than what what they are up in the Chicagoland area. Now I'm going to backtrack, and I'm going to say this. Steve Kane, when I found out AAW
1: was coming, how long did I give them? You remember? I think think we said, boy, I think we said like maybe two years tops, if I'm remembering right.
2: We said three, three,
1: and it's been two. Wow.
2: Here's the other thing. AAW once branched out before even further than LaSalle. If you get on YouTube and look, you can actually look at AAW in the Quad Cities. Yeah. On the complete opposite side of the state. It didn't work there. I knew this was going to happen. I am the man that predicted that Dreamwave Wrestling was going to eventually fall. That the, the lightning in the bottle wouldn't last forever. Because it didn't last forever with RCW. Uh. And I knew damn well it sure as hell wasn't going to last with Dreamwave bringing in all those names. Now, I'm yep. going to tell each and, every per- each and every person that's listening why AAW is failing. In two years that they have been here, they have not wrote one press release to a local paper. No. Called up one local news station or uh, radio station to give away tickets. Ran even a week of ads on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown. And they have the good footage to fucking do it. They have Seth Rollins in their fucking ring that they could show.
1: Yeah. No billboards, all the stuff that Dreamwave did, they didn't do.
2: And that is why now they are suffering, because they have ignored the local fans. I see one poster up. I live in LaSalle, Peru now. I see one fucking poster up. One for their event. One. Now, how sad is that? I go around LaSalle Peru and I find one fucking poster. Sad. Yeah. Truly fucking sad. Because I yeah. can tell you, in the days that I started in this business, it was my job to go out and put a fucking flyer on every telephone pole that there was in between the two cities. So no matter where people were driving, they'd see that shit. They have not had any banners post made from the local distributors to advertise that there's a show even going on in the two towns. And I bet if I were to take a poll still to this day, there are fans in Pontiac, Streeter, Ottawa, Mendota, uh, Princeton – and anywhere else around here that have no idea that dream that AAW is even here. I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, folks. You can have the greatest product in the world, but if nobody knows you're there, they don't care. And obviously, that's what hap- what's happening with uh, AAW is now people no longer care, and it's sad. It's really sad because it's going gonna, it's gonna to leave a big void down here. And there was somebody that said that every company in Illinois is now going to be fighting their way to get into this territory. Let me tell you something about that. If that were true, the moment that Dreamwave Wrestling closed, everybody would have been fighting to come here. Steve, who were the only ones fighting to come here when Dreamwave closed?
1: A W and
2: us. Bingo. And the only one that was still holding on, still clutching on at that point, was Tim Lyle. And he wouldn't come back until after Wrestle Wars 2.
1: Yep. Yep.
2: And then look where Powerhouse Wrestling is now. It's gone. Yep. It got sold out to some guy that couldn't promote a fucking middle school dance, let alone a wrestling show, and draw money. Yep. Who is a DJ and can't even make any money doing that? Nope. So, nope. you know, if that company thinks that they're going to have a big stake in the game, I got some news for them. And I've told people this before. I'm not coming alone. I got some big guns behind me. And that comes in the form of Sir Mo. But that's not all I've got. I've got other people coming too. So... People, people I, I've been messaging people left and right, you better get on this bandwagon while it's hot because once, once this thing starts to really take off, it's going to be too late for everybody. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be butthurt by it. A lot of the talent that has passed through the RWF doors in the past will not be passing through my doors again. Yep.
1: Nope. Because nope.
2: That, time, that time for unquality talent is done. And there's a lot of unquality talent roaming around Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, Indiana. You name it, they're there.
1: Yep. Okay?
2: Um, Unfortunately, that's the way it is. But I'll be damned. I'll be damned over my dead body will somebody come here without me putting up a fight. I'll be damned. Because let me tell you something. When I opened the RWF in 2009, I could not run here. Dreamwave was here, and there was another NWA territory running in Princeton, which meant that I could not run within a 60-mile radius of the other NWA territory, because that's the way it was, the way it still is, if you're a part of the NWA. I think they've loosened up the constrictions a little bit over the years, But, man, were the confinements hard of that rule when I was in the NWA. You could not do Mm -hmm. it or you'd be kicked out. So we didn't do it. The opportunity came in 2016 when Dreamwave closed and I saw the opportunity to to kick Tim Lyle out of Streeter and go take that because he wasn't doing it right and try to make a go of it. And I don't care what anybody says. We gave that our best damn shot that we could. And I'm happy with the numbers we drew. Yep. It could have been more. They could have been a hell of a lot more. But the people that were there were entertained. And you have to remember the fact that on, in December of 2016, we drew over 150 people to a show that was in the middle of the snowstorm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sure did. yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, the Booker was not even able to be there. Because his transportation couldn't get out, so that tells you right there. But that, uh,
2: uh, those local fans would be damned if that kept them from an night of action.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. I
2: mean, no. that's that's the thing that I want to get to. If AAW would have done this, or even. They are so focused on being a national company, which they're not, because if they were a national company, they'd be on national television. That they're too, Somebody don't realize yeah. that, and that's where I throw up my argument. And, and Reekin can get mad if he hears this, then I really don't care. But until the point that they're on national television, they're not a national company. They are a big-time independent. That's all they are. Yeah. So they need to scale back and think about drawing the local casual fans. Well, AAW isn't for the casual fan. Yes, it is. You have a good enough product to draw the casual fan. It may not be everybody's taste, but if they knew about it, they would probably come.
1: Right. You haven't told them that you exist, so they're not coming. Right, right. I mean, yeah, you can sit there and talk about filling out Logan Square Auditorium every month, and that's all well and good. But you know, when you're going to attempt to expand out of your little home building and your little home area, you need to publicize that fact. Back in the day, WWA, when uh, they when they were in Lasalle, um honestly I mean every every place every place we went when we drove down to work WWA shows oh there were there were you well know, posters flyers well oh, every 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 restaurant every store in the area had one up
2: and they don't care and they don't
1: and the number they and are, the number showed it. I mean that that banquet hall, Sean, and you know this because you were always sitting in the crowd front row, and I'd and I'd see you every every month, and that, uh, was was full was full up in that place.
2: Not as full as what it was in the days of RCW, but we packed the crowd we packed the crowds in on a Sunday, and that was yes, that was. That was something that I didn't think could be done. Because when when Finn told me he was going to do Sundays, I said, you're an absolute fool. I said, there is no way you're going to draw money. Uh, well, but it had never been done. And I'd never seen it work. I'd heard of people doing it and it backfiring in their face. Oh, Katie had to recall. Um, I mean, that was the thing with that. They had a good solid 200 people in there every month, whether there was a name there or not. Um, That was the thing about Wicked. But there were other companies that came here and didn't get it. And I'm I'm not going to speak ill of the dead, so I'm not going to mention his company. But my former tag team partner's company, they couldn't break the 100 mark. And if if they did, it was by Miracle, and that was the revised RCW that was short-lived. Uh, That is when Steve Freeman said, I'm not going to, I've I've already sold the RCW ring. So the only thing left is he didn't sell the tape library. I wish he would have sold that because let me tell you, I would have been all about that. Um, Mm. He did not sell the tape library, but he did sell the rights to the RCW name. And uh, I was ashamed of it. I, I knew that. In the end, it was not going to live up to the original revolution's potential. And that is why I have gotten very salty with anybody that's used the name revolution in this area uh, since RCW died. It's disrespectful. You don't know how much history that company had. You don't know how much history that company meant to me and to my brother, the the founder of this show. Uh, That was home and always will be. That will hold a special place in all of our In all of our hearts because we got to meet people like Raven. We got to meet people like Road Warrior Hawk. We got to meet people like Sandman, Bam Bam Bigelow. I mean, a who's who passed through these doors. And then the stars that would come through and later go on to be stars. Seth Rollins actually started training down here under Punk and doing... And doing some of the training camps that were offered by RCW, so it it it, it really holds a special place to my heart, and uh, I can't um, I can't let anybody fuck with that legacy that was left behind for me. Um, yeah, I do want to get into obviously Hell in a Cell. Um, I did not watch all of it. I watched oh, what I could of it. Um. I did go what back and watch I did go back and watch the uh uh shit. I did go back and watch um Hardy and uh Orton in their hell in Oh
4: Honey, god
1: you, yeah.
4: You watched it with me, you think we argued about it. I know you watched it
1: live.
2: <laughs> um so we're gonna break go this
1: down. Um I don't well, know what we got yeah. for pre show. I, mean, I mean well the pre well the pre show was the uh was the uh SmackDown uh tag team titles with uh okay. with uh, New Day winning over uh, Rusev Day and right. um and probably you know if you if you watch if you watch the uh um that back now there's kind of uh some foreshadowing of what uh, wound up happening uh, tonight on SmackDown? Right. Um, and then, and then, yeah. Then the first uh, um, official opening contest was uh, Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy, and oh my, oh, my. God, was that brutal! Um, brutal. I mean, you get you get the you get the spot where um, Randy comes and pulls out the screwdriver from the toolkit. Yeah. and, and sir uh, Jeff, oh, oh my god i i i closed i closed my eyes and turned away during that part it was just it was freaking me out that badly and that
4: i don't i don't and care like i don't care like, I, I don't, I don't yeah. how how much how much pain tolerance do you have when you stretch your ear lobes they get irritating okay so yep. don't tell me that didn't hurt No, I have
1: a few friends that stretch So, yeah My friends are bigger than yours Yeah
2: Honey, let me tell you When gauging of ears became a thing In the early 2000s And everybody was gauging their ears I said, I'm not going to do that I said, I'm not going to do that I still have regular size earrings in my ear I have not gauged them at all I won't do it Don't want to
4: Don't want to
2: I, yep. I, I see the people I have seen people literally and I'm not making a joke when I say this, but I have seen people with holes in their ear big enough for me to stick my dick through. And that's just oh, yeah. not attractive. That's not attractive to me. I don't I that's don't find it into. Uh if it floats yeah. your boat, that's go ahead. That's their but,
4: thing. That's their yeah. thing, you know. I mean my one of my nephews, um, Dennis, the holes in his ears are a couple a little bit bigger than my pinky. He's been doing um for about 10 years. But, yeah, his mother only lets him gauge up on his birthday. He gauges up every year on his birthday. So. Oh. <laughs> it, it's not
0: like, it's yeah. not like
4: he's going nuts, you know, and the, the kids in high school, he just graduated, you know, he's got a job, pays rent.
2: Um, So yeah. the and then
1: well, yeah. And Randy's back and, and he's Randy's legs. fucking
4: brutal. Oh God. And Jeff beat Jeff beat him with a belt and opened him up. I was like, Oh my Jesus, Mary and Joseph.
1: Yeah. And then his leg. Yeah. yeah,
4: there was a chunk taken out of one of his legs.
1: Literally. Yeah, he didn't literally go, and Yeah.
4: Yeah. He did not go in skaters, let me tell you. He did um not. and oh,
2: then Yeah, the Matt's brutality of and- that was just the match would end by Jeff Hardy crashing through the table and Randy Orton yeah. making that, making the referee count the three. Yeah. Even
0: knowing and that
1: he's injured. Right. Yeah. And that was that was the only that was the only um error in that entire in that entire setup was that nobody thought about the of of the cell when they when they put together the ladder spot idea because <laughs> if they because if they would have they would have obviously used the shorter ladder so that oh Jeff could have done his springboard thing and that yeah. but oh, uh, some but somebody messed it up happened. so thankfully. You know, Jeff being the intelligent creative mind that he is, improvised, put himself over the table and did like, you know, a gymnastic That's swing or you know or you know, if you if you want uh, like swing like he's on America Yeah, or American Ninja Warrior. Um <clears throat> until of course, you know as he as he goes Randy moves and he crashes through the table. and yeah. He took too long. Uh-oh.
4: He took too long. You don't showboat in an instant like that. You go, you get
2: there, you're done. Um, oh, so, God. Randy Orton defeated Jeff Hardy. We go from there to Becky Lynch against Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship in a hell of a yeah. contest.
1: Oh, yeah. God. Which which apparently... um. According to uh, what uh, I was reading today, that finish was changed. Originally, what? Charlotte was supposed to retain, but they decided oh, with the fun. way that the main that the main event was going to finish, they wanted to give the crowd something that they wanted, so hence. Becky Becky wins and uh, and gets the belt. But yeah, the match itself was was phenomenal. Loved it, loved it. Um. Then, the, so in the end, uh,
2: Becky Lynch <clears throat> defeated Charlotte Flair to become the new SmackDown Women's Champion with a
1: basic roll-up move. That was the that was the shocker.
2: Um great match. From there we go to Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre against Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Um, again,
1: tough tough match, hard hitting.
2: Yeah. Very I mean, much so. I
1: love I love I I love McIntyre. I mean the guy the guy is just the guy is just an absolute beast. And of course we know we know how much of a workhorse uh Rollins and Ambrose are. And well yeah. And Ziggler, Ziggler you know, sells and heals like you know, like a fiend out there. And gets and gets a crowd gets a crowd reaction very easily. Um With that, yeah, a lot of a lot of very close, uh, oh, close uh, near misses on pinfall, and that they played those they played those up really well.
2: Now I want to talk about this real quick.
1: Uh, Match
2: two, which was Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton, went 24 minutes and 50 seconds. Match two, or uh, no, sorry, match four. Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre against Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins went 24 minutes and 52 seconds. And the main event went 24 minutes and 10 seconds. So anybody that says that WWE doesn't give time to their superstars, go back and look at this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The right people, they will definitely <clears throat> give, the, give the time to, to you know, work a match.
2: Um,
1: um. So, okay, Drew, from, Dolph
2: Ziggler and Drew McIntyre defeated Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. From there, we go to the WWE Championship match. It's AJ Styles against Samoa Joe.
1: Brutal match. Brutal match. Um, and uh, definitely, of course, now you have the, uh, um, the controversy on the finish, which is leading to their match in uh, Australia. Yeah. Um which at first you sit there and you're looking at it and you think, Oh my god, he's you know, he ma- he managed to uh reverse out of angry butt sex and and win it uh, but <coughs> then but then uh you look at the you look at the, on the other side and you see that angle and as the ref is counting the third count, there's AJ tapping. So you get your controversy, which leads which leads to the um oh um no holds barred match um in Australia in a few weeks so yes. it uh, so it so it definitely it definitely you know uh, added i would say added a little more fuel to the uh to the fire
2: now in the biggest letdown of the night. The Miz and Maurice defeated Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella.
1: Oh my God. That was just, yeah. It's like that was just a letdown. Why did this? Why? Why did this match even take place? <laughs> give me, give me Miz and Bryan, and you got and you got a great match. Bree Or maybe just even Brie and Maurice. Yeah, oh. I would I would have liked to I I would have liked to have seen that, um, but, yeah, it just. But I mean, you know, Maurice dunk up that match. But effort in it, I yeah.
0: Marie she you yeah.
2: She phoned to death. Uh, then we go to match seven, Ronda Rousey with Natalia in her corner defeated Alexa Bliss with Alicia Fox and Mickey James in her corner by submission. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. Oh my god, another fantastic outing for Ronda Rousey. The the more the more she the more she works, the better she looks out there. I mean, seriously, the woman just you know, <clears throat> Right now, she can do no wrong in that ring. she is you know i mean we've talked we've talked about this we've talked about how triple h said uh, that she has been the fastest pickup as far as anybody you know transitioning and learning the business and that and and it shows i mean she's she's incorporated some of her uh judo and UFC background into into what she does in the ring and that right. but has also learned as as we said before to sell like a maniac. I mean you well know, I I mean, you know, Ricky Morton type selling and that. And and they and they played it. I mean, you know, she they they had her they had her selling the ribs and that. Um <clears throat> and in fact, uh, in fact, they're actually uh, sell, they're selling out. Um, they're they're sell they're selling um, Alexa Bliss being injured. They've actually they've actually pulled her off of uh, house shows and TV for the time being. Right. To you know to play oh, to wow. play up the yeah to play up the you know effect quote-unquote, of, uh, of that uh, armbar.
2: Then, on in our
1: main event,
2: it is Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman with Mick Foley as the special guest referee. This is Strowman's money-in-the-bank cash-in match yep. for the Universal Championship. Now, we're going to flash back a couple weeks to what Paul Heyman said uh on an episode of Raw, he said he would see everybody at Hell in a Cell. And that yep. is indeed what we saw last night. When the beast incarnate, Brock Lesnar, came smashing down the ring. It wasn't
0: needed. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. But before that, before that, we had the fighting on top of the cell.
1: Yeah. Oh, good grief! I mean, you now you get you've got uh, you've got Strowman and Reigns laid out in the ring, and Mick Foley looking up because at the top of the cage, you've got Ziggler, McIntyre, Rollins, and Ambrose up there fighting like that with the. And then the in the end,
2: yeah. In in the end, Rollins and Ziggler would come crashing down off the cage Through not one, but two tables Yeah
0: That was probably
2: the thickest moment of that Other than Brock Lesnar paying homage to 20 years Well, no, I'm sorry, hold on
1: Well Well yeah, Mick Foley got uh, paid, paid for 20 years by getting pepper sprayed. Yeah. Um, well, it would actually be uh,
2: in a couple weeks. October 5th, 1997 was the date of the first Bad Blood pay-per-view and the debut of Hell in a Cell where Kane knocked in the door. So that was 21 years ago to almost to the day that that happened again that is the only that that is the only time that the Celador was ever kicked down was in 97 and the only other time was last uh sun, what, well Sunday, the, night. Yeah, Sunday night yes so um and then Bad Blood wouldn't be seen again until 2003. Evidently, they did not like the name of that pay-per-view. I loved it. I was like, this is cool. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. And, and, of course, and, of course, the thing was, the way they finished it was that Lesnar took out both of them. Yep. It ended in a no contest. Oh. Yep. Exactly. Exactly, left the left the pay per view ended with uh, you know with uh, both uh, with both competitors and a referee all laid out, so leading all once right, again the, to Australia. Yes.
2: Yeah. Well, we got an announcement uh, last night that there would not be one pay-per-view coming your way from out of the world, on the other side of the world, there would be two pay-per-views coming your way on the other side of the world. As Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar is set for WWE Crown Jewel, returning to Saudi Arabia this November.
1: Yep. So, um yeah, yeah they also um, again part of that uh, big um, oh multi multi-million dollar deal that uh, we talked about here just uh, a few weeks back between uh, WWE and the uh, Saudi government right we start action off
2: with Dean Ambrose versus drew McIntyre and a hell of a match that sees yeah. McIntyre defeat Ambrose by pinfall.
1: Yep, yep. Definitely. Uh, again, I mean, you know, where you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think either of those two guys can do anything wrong in a ring. They're just that. They're just that good, and their and their styles actually mesh that well together, which you wouldn't. You wouldn't think from um, A wrestler like McIntyre Going up against a uh, a Brawler type like Ambrose but yet it But yet it, it doesn't You know it works
2: um, It was a great way to start Off Raw after that opening Segment we then go to Chad Gable with Bobby Roode versus Victor with Connor
1: Yeah Um I'm still I'm still not sure myself that I'm sold on the uh Gable Rude pairing. And that I'm not either. Because I mean Gable running around like a like a like crazy man and that I I'm just I'm I'm waiting I'm waiting for them to pull the heel turn with Rude and just and just have rude one at some point when um Gable is running around like that just totally obliterate him so um, and uh, so. All right, so there, you know, so there at that from that point, um, we get uh, Bailey uh, winning in a, uh, um, in a in a moderate length uh, match against uh, Dana Brooke, who now is back on her own and no longer part of Titus Worldwide. Well, you skipped uh, over something. You skipped over the Undertaker. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yes. Uh, Undertaker um, came out and uh, he and he uh, did his um, and he did a spiel. And that. Um, this is
2: what he said. He called Triple H's comments in recent weeks delusional. After making clear he would be victorious in their match at Super Showdown in Australia October 6th, he announced his insurance policy. Because Shawn Michaels was sure to be in the games corner, the Phenom would have his brother Kane supporting him.
0: Of course.
2: And a a spine-chilling segment from The Undertaker. Then we get Bailey with Sasha Banks against Dana Brooke. And after a, a- after yeah. Bailey to belly... After a Bailey to belly... After Bailey to belly, she would defeat Dana Brooke. Yep. Then,
1: so it looks like uh, Dana Brooke's going to be back to uh, back to jobbing again. Yep. Then,
2: the Authors of Pain with Drake Maverick took on Jobber number 1 and Jobber number 2. Now, here's some cool news. They came from, Sir, at least one of them came from Sir Moe's Sewer Championship Wrestling out of Dallas, Texas. Very cool. What yeah.
4: happened to Titus O'Neil?
2: He is out on injury. Okay. I believe. I hope.
4: Yeah. And did anybody notice that anybody noticed Apollo was using series again?
1: Yeah, he's yeah they yeah they they uh they brought it back after probably oh a week or so.
4: No, it was longer than that. Trust me, I paid attention. It was longer than that. Way longer. He just started using
1: it in camp. Wow. Well. I know, I know it. Yeah, you know, I know the uh, taking the cruise out uh, didn't last very long. Oh, no. I'm
4: glad it's back. It's great.
1: Um, Titus is not out on injury. He was out
2: doing some other things, so oh, taking geez, care geez. of what he had to take care of. Oh. Akin and Rizar were uh, successful over the local competitors, but this got a deep minus. The squash matches are getting old at this point. While it seems to yeah. make sense to restart Akam and Rizar's run with Maverick behind them to give them more credibility, the two have already taken on actual wrestlers on Raw. So, yeah. they want to see them take on regular wrestlers instead of jobbers again. Because um, at this point, it would be like having Braun Strowman face jobbers.
1: Yeah. You
2: just wouldn't do it. Exactly.
1: Right. Right. We go
2: to the back. We go backstage, and Seth Rollins is walking in and gets hit with the news that he's got to defend the Intercontinental Championship tonight against Dolph Ziggler, or he will be stripped of his title. We go backstage to Constable Corbin and. Drew McIntyre, or uh, sorry, Dolph Ziggler speaking, and Seth Rollins comes in and says he's ready for a fight. So down to the ring we go. It's Intercontinental Championship match. Seth Rollins against Dolph Ziggler. And a hell of a match. Yeah. And in the end, Rollins picked up the victory by pinfall over... Ziggler to retain the Intercontinental Championship. That was a sick match. Then, probably one of the most exciting things of the night, the Riot Squad ruins Ronda Rousey's Open Challenge.
4: Sure did.
1: Yep. Yep. So. So. That, oh we had, uh, well did well yeah the Elias Bobby Lashley thing. But you know what that brings that brings me to something that uh, I wanted to kinda of go into here because uh um we had you know we had Drake Maverick and that and now we've got uh, Leo Rush with Bobby Lashley. And I just I don't get what Creative is trying to do here because oh Drake Maverick, Rockstar Spud, is the baby face commissioner of 205 Live, but then on Monday night, he puts on the camouflage gear and basically becomes heel with the uh, authors of pain. And then on the opposite side, here's Leo Rush, who is the. Oh, cocky brat on two oh five live that everybody wants to see you know smack smacked down and beaten the crap out of and yet on Monday night now he's gonna be the baby face manager for Bobby Lashley.
2: It makes, that no, makes no sense no
1: sense whatsoever. No he is
2: But the feelings is the former ECW champion needed somebody to talk to talk for him, and Rush sure. has already stood out more as a typical more than a typical manager. Yeah. So that's uh, evidently creative thinking on that one. Then Nikki yeah, James and Alicia Fox with Alexa Bliss take on Ember Moon and a mystery partner. And I didn't mean to spoil this, but I knew that this was going to happen long before it did, because she was due to come back about this time.
4: And also because you're a dink.
2: Yes. But it was Ember Moon and Nia Jax.
4: Spoiling, Spoilington.
2: Yeah. Oh. So, definitely... Definitely something...
4: See, folks, I, I, I have to say this. See, Sean drives me up a wall. Sean does not shut up during a Sean does not shut up during a SmackDown. Sean does not shut up during a pay-per-view. Sean does not shut up, okay? Me yelling at my at my phone every time it growls to shut up is because Sean won't shut up. My friends tell me I should have a drinking game. Every time I tell Sean to shut up, it's shots.
1: Because it's, you're going to be what you see within the first 45 minutes. <laughs> because he does not shut up! <laughs> yeah. but, but in that but in that case, um, Katie, you would wind up being drunk and passed out within the first hour of the show. <laughs> yeah, that's
4: just what I'm saying. I mean, at least, at least 10 shots in a row, at least, you
1: know?
0: <laughs> Yeah.
4: Oh my God. He does not shut up. You should hear me. For the love of God, I can't believe you don't shut the fuck up. Yep.
1: It's just, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's as bad as the Hulk Hogan drinking game.
5: Brother, brother.
1: Brother. 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 Brother.
5: Brother. Brother.
2: Brother. 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 As Roman Reigns takes on Constable Corbin.
4: God, fuck you. This got an F. He can can fuck off and die.
2: This got an F uh, by the rating that I'm reading. This got an F by the review that I'm reading. Um, They said it was totally uncalled for and abuse of power and did nothing to help Roman.
1: Yeah, exactly. It really did nothing. And really did nothing to help Corbin Yeah Yeah He did
4: nothing to nobody It was pathetic
1: Pathetic
4: use of power and time Oh my god And he he would say that Her angle of use is power Honey You you need to You need to check up on your neck up And you need to check out of your ass
2: the yeah, Miz I mean. could SmackDown with uh, Miz TV, and this got a C- rating, because people didn't want to see Miz TV. People are getting sick and yeah. tired of the Miz and Marie.
4: Uh-huh. I certainly am. Indubitably.
1: Yeah. Exactly. i exactly. I was over it
2: long before this happened. I was over it when she was at Wrestlemania.
4: Pretty much. Before. Um, now
2: she announces that this
4: is her last Smackdown.
2: We get so Kofi Kingston versus Cesaro to kick things off on Smackdown tonight. And we get Big E in some kind of safari gear. I love yeah. it. That <laughs> was hilarious.
1: I'm sitting there, and I'm and that I'm you know, and I'm showing and I'm showing my age here. I was thinking crocodile hunter, <laughs> right?
4: That's not showing any and, kind of age. I don't like and crocodiles. then
1: and then of course and then of course Corey brings out the old L uh, you know, brings brings out the Outback Jack name. <laughs>
4: oh my God. Jesus, my heart Or
1: it's or, is, uh, or is late great Bobby Heenan. <laughs> God rest his soul. Used to used to call him outhouse Jack. <laughs> outhouse
4: Jack, I remember. I remember.
2: So we we get uh, Kofi Kingston defeated by Cesaro. We then go on to the United States Championship match. It's Rusev Day against Sheik. Well, first
1: off, but of course, first off though, you have to you have to remember that backstage segment where Rusev tells English, no, you're going to stay back here tonight. English starts complaining to this um, production guy about Lana, and next thing you know, there's Lana right behind him who heard everything he said, and she said she's going to tell Rusev, and suddenly and suddenly her accent is coming back again. <laughs> I don't know if you guys caught that. Oh I know. But she said but she said, I'm going to tell Rusev. Yep.
4: Rusev yeah. So, let's, go, let's get to the rest. Which
2: uh, thanks yeah. to thanks to Aiden English turning heel, Nakamura defeated Rusev. Yep. Because of the distraction for English, allowed Nakamura to roll Rusev up and score the successful title defense. Yep. Yep. Ben, uh, uh, I don't know if we've got another backstage segment or
1: not. Um, let's see here. His, um... Well... No because because well yeah you get uh you get a bit you get a uh, short little AJ styles thing and then they uh and then um then uh we get uh the match with uh him and uh Andrade Cien Almas. correct Oh my Which my, um, you said. Which, got oh, an my a. god They got in A. Yeah and and in, in this like case, it. this was something, and this was something that I was I I looked I looked at this, and I'm thinking to myself that um, you know all this doesn't have to go over to get over. He is no. very definitely over, really. without without you know without having to get the win.
2: Right. Um so we go from that
1: into uh and and then and then from there you get the Samoa Joe attacking styles. Right. And from there you get Asuka versus
2: Billy K. Mm hmm which, uh,
1: well, actually, God. no. It was a tag match. It was, it was the iconic. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was Billy Kay against Austin. Right. Yeah. One on one.
2: And in the end, I have
1: uh, no use for them. I have no use
2: for them. Uh, their their voices remind me on nail, of nails on a chalkboard. I think oh one of God. them looks. I think one of them looks like a man with a wig. Uh, um, Never
4: mind. With the
2: um. Dog. Don't, don't win, don't win uh, and I just I am not entertained by them. So Oscar defeated Billy Kay from the Oscar Lock. And then we get Becky Lynch's championship coronation, which stole the show.
1: Yep. Yep. You get that. You get Charlotte coming in. And I don't like pages hair. Trying to make pages nice are. and. I hate pages hair. I thought
4: you
1: put that in the show. I prefer I prefer longer too. Absolutely, yeah. you're right. Shortest it's ever been. <coughs> <coughs> it's
4: awesome.
1: Yep. But anyway.
2: Yep. And uh, you know, uh, it turns <laughs> into a brawl and. Uh, don't you know that uh, Becky Lynch makes Charlotte tap out again? Yep. Yep. And SmackDown. So, boy, do we have some... Uh, yeah, there's some good, there's stuff some good programs
1: two. coming up between now all Now tonight,
2: tonight, the Mixed mess Challenge Season 2 started. Wednesdays from now on are going to be 205 Live NXT and the May Young Classic. So yep. that is your new Wednesday lineup from WWE Network. Hell of a lineup. So... That, uh, that is that And with that being said I think that's going to do it for us tonight I'd like to remind yep. everybody that tomorrow night We will be joined by the world's most dangerous announcer Gary Michael Capetta And you want to be here for that And congratulations to Joe For winning a copy of Death of the Territories tonight From ACW yeah. Press And uh, the author Tim Hornbaker and we want to thank Jim yep. Hornbaker for calling in and sharing his insight with us tonight. I definitely look forward to reading that book.
1: Yeah. And it's it is yeah, it is definitely an amazing read. So with that, uh, y'all know what time it is. I'm getting the hell
2: out of here, and I suggest you do the same because don't to go home. you
4: don't have to go home. I can't stay here. Good
2: night. Good night, everybody. Good night. We're out.
5: Closing
0: time. Open all the doors and let you out into the world. Closing time. Turn all of the lights on.